Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor. With mixed market bet builders, in-play betting and a selection of welcome offers, make sure your Premier League is spent with BetVictor's premier betting app. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Hi, everyone. What's up? Chelsea fans, I hope you're all feeling good. This is Xavier Mbuyamba. And you're listening to the Blue Day Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. Yes, this is the Blue Day podcast, and for Chelsea fans everywhere, every day is a Blue Day. I am your host, the creator, the man with a face for podcasting, Keith Lawrence. And today, unfortunately, Steve Wicks is unable to be with me today as he is on holiday. But fear not, because we have two fantastic substitutes that have come on, and I'm sure we'll have more touches than Romelu Lukaku this week, I am sure. We've got a great week to talk about Chelsea after Premier League wins against Crystal Palace and Lille in the Champions League. And we're going to preview the cup final as well. And to do that, I've got two staunch Chelsea supporters that are passionate and we're going to talk all things Chelsea. They are Dylan and we have Ben from the Carefree Louisiana group. Gentlemen, welcome back onto the show, especially Dylan. How are we both? Uh, doing fantastic. Thank you for the opportunity to come on to the podcast again. We're uh, super enthusiastic to talk about our event and, and how we're going to batter Liverpool. Hell yeah, man. Doing great. Doing great. Uh, we got a, a little cold snap here, but definitely excited to talk about uh, what's going on with Chelsea. A lot of exciting stuff, a lot of, you know, upsetting stuff. So let's get into it. Well, yeah, I mean, we'll talk about the cup final beforehand, but we want to sort of start on a positive note and talk about the two wins against Crystal Palace and against Lille in the Champions League. The title championship seems a little bit out of reach, although City do seem to be losing to Tottenham. Who who else loses to Tottenham? I don't know. No, nobody else loses to Tottenham. Apart from City. How, how that happened, I do not know. But we beat Palace 1-0 at Selhurst Park, which was quite a tough game. And the situation was with certain players coming in back into form a little bit. Kovacic, Ziyech looks like a different player from what he was a few months ago. We're sort of rolling on nicely and to beat Lille as well in the Champions League. But I just want to sort of get your thoughts on how you see Chelsea at the moment and you know where you think the strengths are in the team and could there be, if there is any particular weaknesses, what could they be or who they could be? 
Well, I'll go ahead and start off first by saying the last time that I was on your show, Keith, you asked me my opinion of Christian Pulisic, and I said I thought that he was a sub. So obviously, after the last couple of weeks, I've got to recant that a little bit and make my apologies to Christian Pulisic because his form lately has been absolutely incredible, and that guy needs to be in our starting lineup on Sunday. No question in my mind. Yeah, yeah, definitely follow that up with with a plus on Christian and also eating my words on Ziek. Uh, me and Dylan are in a group chat with uh, some local boys here in New Orleans and Baton Rouge, and I'm eating my words big. A lot of the guys held up for Ziek uh, in an argument about three three weeks ago or so, and the day after in a match, Ziek appears, and he's on the stage again for three straight weeks. So exciting stuff, man. I definitely think we know kind of where that weak point is in the front. Everything has to move to Lukaku, which kills that creativity with Kai and that false nine. We even saw it in the Champions League final and the end of last season. Kai and that false nine, Ziek and Reese James and Christian Pulisic all floating in that in that wing space. It's just success, man. The fluid movement as well that you guys have spoken about, because I was there against Lille on Tuesday night and the way Kai Havertz's movement seemed like a guy with intent, knew what he was doing. He weren't a target man. He, he was more, as you say, false nine, but the movement between all three was quite impressive. I know Leo are not having a great season at the moment, but it was nice to see actually all three playing well. And it's the first time I've actually seen all three play well at the same time. Me personally, I would play all three on Sunday. I would start all three on Sunday. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a bold take, but I'm going to go ahead and agree with you. Why would we – we keep trying to get Lukaku on fire by putting these different characters around him and testing these formulas. Sunday is not the day. We know what works right now. We know who's on form. Uh, let's get a cup in the bag this year because we are not going to take the league. I think we all know that mm-hmm. with the way Liverpool is playing, even if someone does catch up to City, it seems like it won't be Chelsea. So let's bag another cup on the year. Let's get closer to Tommy's treble because don't forget we're still in the UCL. Let's bag this freaking trophy, man, with Kai in the false nine moving. I mean, he comes for the ball. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Start him, start him Sunday. Didn't. What do you think? Uh, well, he's addressed the attacking issues, and I think that's – I completely agree with him. Where I need to see some solidification is on the defensive end. Um, I am curious whether or not Reese James is going to actually get back onto the field this week. Tommy mentioned in an interview that he's been playing – that Reese has been doing fantastic in training this week and that he's he's giving him no reasons to not start him, but also you and I – we all know that – a lot of times when we rush players back from fitness, we're actually hindering what they can do for us in the long term. And so uh, me personally, if Reese James is ready, I want to see him on the field. I think he's the strongest defender in the league when it comes to his positional play, his awareness, and uh, how he manages his time on the ball. Um, my question is whether or not he actually goes into that goes into that team. Um, I constantly talk about how Alonzo is not able to match up defensively, but then when you watch that ball that he sent into Kai Havertz this week, you're just like, how do you not get him on the field? Um, mm-hmm. So my questions, um, while everybody's thinking about our attack, we also need to be thinking about the fact that Chelsea currently right now has a second best defensive record in the league, only letting up one less goal than Manchester city. So if we can solidify how we are organized on our defensive front, 
Um, I think we're going to be giving our midfield and uh, attack a better platform to to put in goals because what I hate seeing more than anything is us let up a goal and then that's what becomes the fire that's lit because um, there's been multiple times where we've let up a goal then all of a sudden we've been complaining about how's the, how's the team looking and then we let up that goal and then a fire is lit and then we just go on a rampage. Let's let's have that fire lit before. <laughs> let's 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 make our advances before then. So, in my opinion, I'd like to see Reese on the field. And my question is whether or not Malang Sar is going to get that that role on the left, or is it going to be Alonzo? Well, Tuchel has confirmed today that everyone trained barring from Ben Chilwell. So that's a positive that at least Reese James is training consistently with the likes of Ziyech and Kovacic because they were brought off during the game against Lille with suspected serious injuries, but thankfully not. They are hopefully in contention for Sunday. And I think how we play Dylan and Ben, as you say, we play with a lot more fluidity with those front three and even the connection between midfield and defence is key. And you look at who can play in those positions. Me personally, I don't like seeing wingers as fullbacks. I know obviously they, they have been in the past and you've seen other teams do it. I personally think Pulisic is not for that role. I right. personally don't think people like Callum hudson Adoy is fit for that role. Marling Sar's a little bit different because you can always have him as a as as a rather little wing back but as a fullback. But for me Sunday's not for that. You go with your strongest team. You go with your strongest strengths and Alonso, yeah, he might not be great defensively. And he showed that on Tuesday some, with some of the play. He allowed some of a lot of the space in behind him and Lille tried to count, counteract that. However, I think he he has to start Sunday along with Asper. I would go with Aspilicueta. If James is fit, 100% fit, yeah, go with him because he will need to be 100% fit against that front three of the Scousers on Sunday. If he's not, I wouldn't risk him because I'd say we've got not bigger games coming up, just as big games. And I want a fitter Reese James going into the end of the season than 50% now and then all of a sudden it's 30 afterwards. Yeah, that, that makes complete sense. And the, also the question that we need to address is um, where are we going to go with our midfield? Because if we have an inform and Golo Kante, we're going to run riot on them. Now, whether or not he starts Jorginho or Kovacic in the midfield with him um, is going to it's going to it's going to change the shift of the dynamic of the game. Um, are we are we going for a counterattacking play, or are we going to try to shove it down their throat? It just uh, my worry is that we go out to attacking, and we're going to be left for the counterattack from Liverpool because. We all know that Liverpool has the highest scoring attack in the game right now, and they are running riot on everybody they play against. So I think our midfield battle is going to be absolutely crucial, and I hope that we have the the, the real N'Golo Conte show up on Sunday. Yeah, and I think, too, just to add, uh, by the way, I'm having camera problems. I don't know why my camera turned off, but uh, I'm, I'm going to add something in here that I think is really going to throw this squad Sunday for a loop is that Mason Mount is healthy. We just got that news yesterday. So where does he fit back into this offense? Does he come back in for Sunday? 
maybe he's been on like a very slight form dip, which is crazy because very slight still is great uh, for him. But does he fit back into this squad on Sunday is a big question for me personally. I mean, absolutely. He's been, he's our, still our number one goal scorer at the end of the day. And like his impact on the game is no one can deny it. Right. And it will be key when he does, if and when he does come back, where does he play? Do you play him perhaps slightly deeper? Maybe get him to be the midfielder that comes in from deep with Ziyech and Pulisic perhaps trying to cut balls back into the six-yard box or in, at the edge of the area? Or do you have him further forward to replace the likes of Ziyech and Pulisic and maybe lose a little bit of fluidity because Mount's not a winger. I think it'll be interesting come Sunday because Mount in the Club World Championships was not fit. Everyone could see he wasn't fit. He was trying too hard. And you can see when he was going up to win to pick up his medal, he was limping quite badly and he needed Hudson Adoy to help him out. So if he's fit, great, go, go with him. Because he, he can score goals. I personally feel he should score more. And I think he should start creating more goals. He needs to be more of a goal threat and help out going forward because he he can do that. He has got that in his arsenal. So it's an interesting one for Sunday. And one option that I want to get you your guys' thoughts on in relation to Sunday is Jorginho. Would you start him? Or would you start Kovacic with Kante? Because for me, there's no way Kante will be dropped. I, I can't see it. He's Kante. No way. Uh, yeah. And you want to take this first? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. I think the answer is very, very clear here. Um, uh, Kovacic for Jorginho, uh, without a doubt. Kovacic is one of the biggest forward moving players that we put onto the pitch and if you remember against crystal palace as soon as kovacic comes on ball moves forward darts the ball forward so yeah i mean i just think against liverpool breaking down especially if they do get a goal early and they have the ability matip Van Dyke to just get in tight on defense and make it really difficult for us to break down Kovacic 100%. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, I think a lot of the times, um, and, and I stick up for Jorginho a lot. He offers um, a control in the midfield and a way to maintain possession that not many players do, and he doesn't get enough credit for it. But at the same time, a lot of the time, a lot of the work that we get from Jorginho is lateral balls instead of you know progression up the field um, when Kovacic comes on not only are you not taking the ball off of him but just like Ben said he's pushing the ball forward and getting into spaces that we weren't already at so in, in my opinion I feel like we're probably going to have some fo- some form of adaption of a 4-3-3 this weekend um, with a four-man back line with Kovacic, um, Conte, and possibly Mason Mount playing that that midfield role just tucked in behind the the attackers. And I think that might, if, if we do have a fully fit Mason Mount, I think that's probably our best midfield going forward. Interesting. Interesting. In regards to sort of talking about Sunday now, and then we'll sort of go back to it later. 
who would you start in goal? Kepa has been the League Cup goalkeeper, <laughs> League Cup goalie sort of throughout the rounds. Mendy's obviously number one. I personally would put Mendy as the strongest goalkeeper, although Kepa has proved this season that there is a keeper there. It's taken him a while, you know, because there's been certain seasons and certain moments where you're thinking, who on earth sanctioned this move to bring him in? But this season he has proved what he can do. He's been in the goalie for the cup games. Would you start him over Mendy on Sunday? Yeah, Dylan, you can take this. Uh, so I have been a bigger advocate for Keppa through his um his 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 bad form than probably anyone in our group. Um I fully believe in Keppa's experience, but also before I answer this question, do we have three subs or do we have five subs in this this game this weekend? Top of my head, I think it's five. So if we have five, I think it comes to a scenario where we play Mindy for the game. And if this goes to a penalty scenario, we know who the best penalty goalkeeper Great that point. we have in, in, in our roster is. Um, I think that's where it goes in a straight up just 90 minutes. There's no way to question who the better goalkeeper is. The positional awareness, the distribution, and the shot blocking capabilities of Mindy are unquestionable. The man gets clean sheets. He is... Um, a perennial winner um, with us this year. So it's kind of hard to argue anyone else in goal starting for us. But once again, if we have five subs and we can use that allocation and save that for a possible penalty situation, then I believe that, you know, Kev would be the guy. But between us three, I don't think this game is going to go beyond 90 minutes. I think there's going to be a winner figured out in 90 minutes. Um, I'm just hoping that it's a blue winner. (laughs) Hopefully, hopefully they'll be it'll be interesting. I've been very critical of Kepper over the years. Um, a few people that I know quite closely have said to me, Kepper will come good, Kepper will come good, and I haven't believed them this season. He's starting to win me over a little bit with his performances and with his pretty much sort of dog like performances where he's a man possessed and he will not let that ball go past him. And he's been, he, he's been superb in the games that he's played and he hasn't done many mistakes, I would start Mendy. I would have started Kepper for the Club World Championships final because I think he he deserved it. But obviously he played Mendy and Tuchel explained why. But tomorrow, Sunday, got to play Mendy. Go with your strongest team. Yeah, I think that that goes back to the point of let's not experiment here. We're going against a Liverpool side that doesn't need to experiment. They're in form. They know exactly who they're going to play. They know exactly the roles. Let's not experiment. And I I guess Kep is not an experiment. He definitely has shown form over the last couple of weeks. But I definitely – I'm with Dylan and you as well. You know, Mindy all day. And if we have five subs, it's clear who we sub in for penalties. Definitely put Kep in. Yeah, and, and also going back on Keppa, when Keppa went through his bad form where everybody was doubting him, where he was letting up goals, we also have to think about the quality of the defense that was in front of him. He didn't have a quality defense, a true quality defense that was organized, that was communicating, um, that was providing him the mental fortitude to keep going. I play goalkeeper myself in, in little Sunday leagues. And when you have a defense in front of you that isn't communicating, that isn't providing you the support that you need, it drops your confidence. And so 
the defense that we had, the, the defense that we've had in this last two years, um, provided him the ability to get back in form, to feel secure in his position, and has allowed us to win all the trophies that we have right now. So I think there's a strong correlation between a strong defense in front of you and and the mental capabilities of where a goalkeeper is because more than any other position, goalkeepers are in their head. And if you don't feel confident in what you have in front of you, you're not going to be a successful goalkeeper. Points. Well, it'll be interesting Sunday what Tuchel decides. And I think it's good that he's got, well, I think for Mendy, it's been great to have someone like Kepa as a number two, similar to what happened years ago with Czech being number one and Carlo Cudicini being number two. When you've got somebody of good quality as a backup, it makes your game better knowing that if you fuck up, there's always an opportunity for that number two to come in. And at least then the defence in front of the goalie knows that there's still some quality behind them. Mm-hmm. Speaking of quality and or the lack of quality that we've seen, especially this week, Romelu Lukaku, um, his performances or lack of a performance has been in the headlines for, uh, for weeks and days probably since the infamous interview on Sky Italia. I'm not going to dwell on the performance against Crystal Palace too much because at the end of the day, we won the game. And that's for me, that's all that matters over individual performances. I've seen Drogba have bad performances. I've seen Lampard, Terry, loads of legends of Chelsea have bad games. So I'm not going to digress to the point where... I give my views on Lukaku, whereby I believe he, whether or not I think he's shit. I don't think he is. I was a huge advocate of him coming back, and I'm still a fan of his. However, does he seem he wants to be there based on his performances? He he didn't come on at all against Lille, which I was surprised about. I thought he would have come on with at least maybe half an hour to go, 20 minutes to go against Lille, get a bit of a run out. The fact he didn't, and with the fact that Chelsea played seemingly better without him, where does he fit? Is he going to be? Should he be on the bench on Sunday? Should he, in fact, gentlemen, be on the bench for the rest of the season, depending on how on how Havertz does for the next few games? Yeah, I mean it's it's Chelsea, right? So what we're expecting out of our lead man is goals and really strong performances. Um, And we haven't seen that. And yeah, like we, I was a strong advocate for him coming in too, because I do believe, especially with that raw video we have from 10 years ago, when he first came to the club, that he does love Chelsea in some piece of him, but um, yeah, man, this not scoring thing, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So as long as Kai Havertz, Ziyech and these ancillary players fill in that goal, uh, spot for us. I don't see a point for him to be in. This is about goals. This is not about, you know, giving him shot time and time and time again to underperform. I am losing faith. I, I love the guy and I, I want him to be great for us, but this isn't like a three game J- JT slump. This is, you know, seven games, uh, really bad publicity uh, from some things that he said, um, it just doesn't seem like he wants to be out there, man. That's just what it feels like uh, to me personally. I, I don't feel like 
he's enjoying his time. Um, so yeah, I think leave him on the bench for now, man. I, I, I test him back out against Brighton. I, I don't know what to say about that. It's so difficult because we're getting goals from other places. And what is he there to do? He is literally the only reason he is there is to score goals. And the fact Agreed. that and if, and, and if, so, now go on, sorry. And, no, I was just going to say that um, I think that we are forcing Lukaku into the game when he doesn't quite appear fit to me. And I know we're playing these long 90 minute games and he's staying on the field, but I feel like it's the best way to get the most use out of him while he's not putting the effort onto the field. So what was it the other day? He had like seven touches for the entire 90 minutes that he was on the field against crystal palace. Yeah. So why aren't we changing this to a scenario where we start the team that won us the champions league final as best we can. And you know, use him as a super sub. Like if he's going to come in and make an impact, well then let's be, instead of 90 90 minutes of half-stepping, why doesn't that turn into coming on in the 65th, 70th minute? And, you know, when we have to start swinging in those balls and going for those headers instead of working the, you know, the player around the field, well then let's use him that way. Let's use him as, you know, a headstone, you know, to bury Liverpool from from the crosses in the latter part of the game. If he's not going to give us a full effort for 90 well then let's 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 don't give him ninety. Let's 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 give him those twenty minutes and to see if he really wants to make an impact because um a lot of players break through on the Chelsea team by giving that intense twenty to thirty minutes. I mean, no one would have ever thought Callum Hudson Adoy would have been, you know, someone to be in the the, the the conversation years and years ago. But then he comes on as a super sub and became an instant impact player. So let's let's turn let's turn Lukaku into an impact player and if he wants to make good with the Chelsea fan base, then come on the field. And if you're not and come on the field and don't stop working for 20 minutes. And if you bag a goal, then fantastic. But the, we all know the only way that Lukaku is going to get the fans back behind him is to score goals. There's no message that's going to come across. There's no apology letter. There's no anything like that. That's going to fully get the trust back of the fans. But if you're banging in goals and you're touching the badge and you're showing that you want to be a part of the team in whatever form that the coach wants to give you, whether it be the 90 minutes or the 20 minutes, you accept it, you thank for that, and you make the most out of your time. And that's what he's going to have to do. Do you guys then predict that with the way your views are and with the way the majority of Chelsea fans feel about Lukaku now, is it best then to keep him sidelines for a little bit and then going forward do you think it would be right time for him to go I mean personally I I would keep him but all strikers have gone through bad patches before and we've we've seen it I'm not gonna sort of be too downhearted about I'm still not downhearted about the interview that he that he gave I don't think I think people have overreacted on it personally but I still think there's a player there. I still think there's a quality striker in there, but we haven't seen it. And I'm concerned that it's going to be another long list of failed attempts to get a 20, 30 goal striker that we've tried with Torres, with Morata, even as far back as Kesman in the, in the early 2000s. Higuain, Falcao, we can give a million yeah. names here. Pato, yeah. You know, it's it, yeah. it almost never seems to work out. And I don't know what it is about that damn shirt up front 
that cannot get 25 goals a season. It's ridiculous. If you guys remember, uh, what was it, the 2014 season, the first three games, Ivanovic was the only goal scorer. I mean, this is the story of Chelsea. We score from the wings. We score from the sides. Like, I don't know what's going on. Do I think we should sell Lukaku? Absolutely not. My problem with my own statement is that does he create a problem for Tuchel because our board has a history of backing 100 million pound players over the man with the Hublot. So that troubles me um, because Tommy Tuchel has brought us immeasurable success that no manager in the history of our club has brought us in this short of a time period. So uh, yeah, it scares me a little bit. I would definitely rather see Romello go than Tommy. So yeah, I don't want to sell big Rom, but if he puts Tommy in that position to bounce well also at the same time like we're saying that we haven't seen the form from Lukaku we did see the form when he first came on the field for us he looked like a monster at the beginning of the season an absolute monster and all of us were like okay this money was worth it he's going to be that player that we need to be and then he got injured and he's never come back he got injured he made that interview while he was not getting minutes and trying to fight for stuff and he never just quite found form and then Chelsea figured out a way to win where they didn't need him and he's having to do something that he's never had to do before which was fight for his position everywhere he's been in the last let's just say five years he's been the guy and now he's all of a sudden in a situation where he's playing for the champions of the world and he's not necessarily the number one guy. And I think this may be a little bit of a humbling moment as for, for a humbling moment as well. And we have to see how his true professionalism shines. Can he come in and be a fringe player for a little bit until he finds form? Or is he just gonna, you know, take his ball and go home and 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 and, and ruin the game because he's not getting the minutes that he needs? This is that moment where we see if that hundred million dollars not only bought a player but a grown man. Good point. Very good point. I think that with the situation with Lukaku, I'm glad that it, on the pitch, it doesn't seem to have affected too much. Some certain players have just gone on with it. You look at Thiago Silva's performances. Jesus Christ, the boy's like a fine wine. He's nearly 38 years old and he's put in a lot of young guys to shame with his performances at centre-back. He seems what probably the top five centre-backs in the world right now, how he's playing, and he's certainly made Rudiger a lot better having him alongside each other. And it'll be interesting come Sunday what he was. You talked about it, whether he was going to play with a, with a flat-back forward, if he's going to play with three in defence. But, gentlemen, just sort of... Qu- quickly on the sort of the Chelsea situation for this season and we've discussed at length with certain players where do you think Chelsea will finish this season in terms of where they finish in the league or how they do in cup competitions do you think this will end well for Chelsea or do you think this could be sliding down a bumpy road whereby Tuchel in six months time is out the door. Do you how 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 do you sort of see the landscape for Chelsea at this moment in time? And you want to go first? Dylan, take that down first. Okay. Um, so as far as the league, I think that with everything that's going on, um, I think we can pretty much just go ahead and say the league is beyond what we're going to be able to do 
there's a small, small possibility that we could catch Liverpool, but the realist is um, they are the most informed team in the league right now. And if they, if anyone has a chance to catch city, it's going to be them. So I'm going to go ahead and chalk off the league and say, um, I think that we're going to be able to manage a top four finish, but we have to be very careful of our North London rivals arsenal because they are slowly creeping and finding form and managing to bang out results when um, it seems unlikely. Their game yesterday didn't seem like a chance that they were going to finish. Wolves came out aggressive, got the first goal, um, and then they somehow managed to force something into the 95th minute and get those extra three points. Um, I was worried about Tottenham behind us for the longest time, and they had a chance to pass us up in the table. And then all of a sudden, you know, Spurs become Spursy, and, you know, they get battered everywhere they go. And how they manage to get a win against City and then don't to Burnley blows my mind. I don't understand it. <laughs> so as far as the league situation, I think that we are going to finish top four and continue our progression that way. But um, as far as um, Champions League, we're, we're, we're looking good. Um, I don't necessarily see us as that standout, standout, you know, team in the Champions League. But at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is the game in front of you and we keep winning and winning successfully. I'm pretty sure that we now hold a record for the most amount of clean sheets for home games by any English club um, in, in the history of the Champions League. So um, I'm feeling good about Champions League. The The tournaments that concern me the most are the ones that we haven't won in a while. And those are the FA Cup and the League Cup. And I'm just hoping that because we're playing in so much, we're not exhausted. Our boys look knackered the entire the entire season. And, and I don't know whether this is we're just exhausted, whether we're not getting proper rotation by the manager. I know he has his lineup that he likes to stick with, but we've got to find a way to rotate our players and where we have full fitness for around. If we don't have fit players, then we're not going to win. We're not going to win tournaments. Um, so as far as this weekend, I think I think this weekend – is going to be against Liverpool. It's going to be a very strong barometer as to far has as to how far our season is going to progress. If we if we beat Liverpool, there's no doubt in my mind that we're going to finish top three. That we are going to make it to at least the semifinal round in the Champions League. Um, but I, I need to see how this weekend goes before I can make up make a fair assessment. Because if we have an in form attack that just comes out and all on all cylinders and firing and a defense that shuts down every opportunity. There's no reason that we can't, you know, walk away with the season with an extra two trophies. Um, but right now the way Liverpool looks, I, if, if I'm going to be, you know, as non-biased as possible, even though we're on a Chelsea podcast, if you were just to look at the statistics, Liverpool are doing dangerous things right now. And it's going to be probably the toughest game that we've had all season. Yeah. Yeah, it, I see the same thing. And I, what both of you guys have talked about, man, we are exhausted for competitions. This is, this is a lot, man. I was, I was saying months ago, and, you know, I know you, uh, you domestic boys love your Moose Cup and, and your FA Cup. And FA Cup's my favorite competition. But uh, I, three months ago, was saying I, I just could do without the Moose Cup. It takes so much energy from the players, and it's just that extra week game. We're in four competitions. We really just have to keep that in mind with a lot of injuries. So, yeah, man, we are just absolutely exhausted. I will tend to actually 
agree with you guys. I think there's been a lot of times this season where some players do look shattered. I think that obviously the travelling to and from Timbuk to and back for cup competitions hasn't helped. Although they do travel in style, it's still stressful and still tiresome to them same them same players. When you do play 90 minutes in intense games like Champions League, like league games as well, because again, it's all very well saying, oh, it's only Chelsea versus Brighton. Well, we haven't beaten Brighton this season at all. We've played them twice and we haven't beaten them. So I think tiredness will play a key. But then, as you say, after this game on Sunday, when that's one competition down, Champions League, there's going to be some very interesting results come through, I think, in the next few rounds. And it'll be interesting, actually, who we get well, if we're beating Lille in the next round, who we get in the quarterfinals. Would be nice if it was actually uh, Tottenham, but never mind. Obviously, Tottenham, uh, they don't do Europe well. But what we want to do... Give me United. I want, I want United next round. You Give want Man United me. next round? That would be interesting. I want them. I'm, st- I'm still pissed off from Champions League from 2000, 2010. My mind's, my mind on dates going crazy oh, right now. Oh, wait. The, the oh, less, the less oh, said eight, about yeah. that game, the better. Fair enough, but I, I still, I still want my redemption. Um, I still want to beat them so badly. So let's handle Lil and give me United. Let's let's have let's have that English game. Ben, do you concur? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, I would actually, I, I would uh, absolutely adore to see United in the final. Um, uh, yeah, of course, next round. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, I know we don't like to talk about that game. That was my first game match as a supporter. Uh, so I come from the depths of hell with Chelsea and Manchester United. And uh, I want to smash them so fucking bad in Europe. It's not even funny. Well, you never know. You never know what UEFA might come up with a few days before the draw, because that's how the draws are normally done before the actual live event. Speaking <laughs> of events... This goes on nicely to talk about Blues Day, which is a huge event for you guys that you pulled off in February. Earlier this month, obviously, we had Dylan on the show to promote it, and a lot of feedback was given to us on the show subsequently afterwards about how some guys were were looking to come down. And we saw the pictures on Instagram. If you guys want to sort of have a look at the... Instagram account, have a look at Carefree, Louisiana. It was a great event from the pictures that I saw, but boys, just sort of what's what's the feedback that you received? Because it was obviously a very big event that you guys planned. It spent a lot of time and effort in getting the event sorted and getting everything planned to perfection. So how did it go and sort of what sort of memories have you, have you got from it? Bearing in mind, it was the same weekend that Chelsea did win the Club World Championships. Well, Dylan, the man that birthed the idea, take this down, sir. I'll take this second. I'll yield to you, my friend. Uh, so, yeah. So for anybody who does not know what exactly Blues Day was or what was going on, um, we had the idea to have a multi-chapter event here in New Orleans for the Club World Cup because New Orleans is one of those destination spots um, in America. And there's always the joke, there's only three towns in America, New York, San Francisco, and New Orleans. Everywhere else is Cleveland. So we knew that we would have some pull 
to be able to get people down here. And sure enough, we did. So after two and a half months of planning um, between Ben and I and uh, our other leg of the tripod, uh, Roy Welsh, we were able to not only get Chelsea's involvement, um, their help with marketing, um, some resources from them as well, but we were able to market and be able to have 125 people from 16 different states and 17 different chapters um, come down to Louisiana and have the largest Chelsea sponsored multi-chapter event in, in American history. And when I say that it was a success, that is an understatement. Um, I've heard nothing but fantastic feedback from everyone who's come um, everybody wanting, you know, there to be merch next year to, 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 to get as many chapters as possible. I mean, all, all sorts of things that, you know, possibly could happen, but at the end of the day, we had the rowdiest party in new Orleans while Mardi Gras was going on. Yeah, absolutely. This was, um, this was one for the books, man. This was one for the books, Keith, you're definitely going to have to get down next year. Um, so basically how it went down is, you know, some of the rowdiest people in, in uh, Chelsea groups from around the nation showed up to really show everyone else that their chapter puts on a show. And it was very cool to see how we all sang together. We all had our, our supporter specific songs about our cities and, and everyone played very well into each other. And it was just, you know, what I said before in promoting the event was this was, was a time for us to just all come together and love each other. I mean, Chelsea played for 90 minutes. We were together for three days. Um, you know, it was just a great time, man. That's when I go to London, that's what I go for. I go for the people I go for Chelsea for 90 minutes, but I go to see everyone that I love and that I go to matches with. And that's what we had here. We just had the supporters from all over the nation. We've all been talking. We've all had arguments online. We've all, you know, said we hate each other had differences in opinion. You get into the pub and it's all about singing and having a beer. And that's what happened in new Orleans two weekends ago. Well, I was just going to expound and say, um, just to give everybody kind of a heads up of what everything that went down on Friday, we met up at a local brewery that made a specific uh, made a specific can for Blues Day that Ben was completely influential and made happen. Um, uh, nothing better than having a local brewery support your event and put your event on a can for people to take home back. Um, the next day, we got together um, in the French Quarter area of town and uh, marched all the way to the pub they were going to loud and proud. And the New Orleans people are taking pictures and, and videos and, you know, asking who we are and what we were doing because they thought we were affiliated with Mardi Gras because of how loud we were and where we went through. Um, we got together at American Sports Saloon and we have to thank those guys over there. Um, Jim, the manager, um, pretty much rolled out the red carpet and made everything available as possible. Thankfully, everybody who did register allowed us to have the numbers to be able to present them. So we never ran out of beer, which is a very, very long plus because that helps because because um, last year for the um, for the Champions League final, the bar did run out of certain beers because we were so overwhelmed them and they weren't they weren't prepared for us. So um, we had a fantastic day, obviously won the match. And then we went to a Mardi Gras parade that evening. And uh, we have to give a big shout out to the two largest supporters groups that did come to our event. Um, the group that brought the most people was Music City Blues out of Nashville, Tennessee. And then also the second largest group that brought supporters was the Bayou City Blues out of Houston. Um, so thank them for their participation. And hopefully we get even larger crews next year. 
both of those groups have reached out to us and want us to do events with them and travel and support and go to, you know, visit with their chapter. So those are things that, you know, we'll eventually plan down the road because we, uh, through this, if nothing else happened through this event, we created relationships that we didn't already have. And to start building a name for not only um, our chapters, but other chapters that are out there in the country. So if nothing else happened from this, we made a lot of good friends and we have relationships that will continue in the years to come to expound the Chelsea supporters in America. And it must have gone quite nicely with Havertz scoring that penalty in extra time. Celebrations probably probably went wild. A few beers drunk when Aspilicueta lifted up the trophy. Huge, massive memories. I'm assuming, probably a bit of a naive question, I'm assuming you guys are already making plans for next year. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So. Absolutely. We've actually <laughs> we we actually already had our meeting with the club and um are seeing how they can help us for next year. And we've talked to, you know, other chapters and you know, we've already begun rolling. We were we were actually only about five days out when we started planning for next year. Fantastic. That's superb. Yeah, and, and and the moniker that I that I that I'm keep running keep saying that, you know we're going to run it back, but next year it's going to be bigger, better, and bluer. I mean, we were able to manage to get 125 people down to New Orleans from all those different states with relatively what was it been two and a half months, three months of planning. Yeah. So, just give Ben and I a year to actually plan. Watch what we do. I'm looking forward to watching it. I'll I'll be looking forward to viewing it on Instagram and other social media channels. It'll be it'll be good. Finally, sort of talking about obviously what you guys do compared to what sort of people in England and traveling to games and whatnot. What's the plan for Sunday? What's sort of going to be sort of the schedule for you guys on Sunday? Obviously, a lot of people are going to be going to the games. You guys obviously going to be with the time difference as well, with it being a half four kickoff UK time, what's the plan for you guys for Sunday? So down here in New Orleans, so just, just so the listeners are understand, um, Carefree Louisiana is a coalition of three different chapters, um, Crescent City Blues in New Orleans, Zydeco Blues in Baton Rouge, which Ben is a member of, um, and uh, Port City Blues in Shreveport. So as far as the New Orleans scene goes, uh, we're going to be going to our normal pub, Finn McCool's, where there will be a very large Liverpool contingent as well, and we will outsing them. There's no question in my mind, Wings of a Sparrow is definitely going to come out. Um, but um, uh, the, the difference is right now we're still in the Mardi Gras season here in New Orleans, and there's parades and partying that's going on all day. So I imagine we're not going to have as big of a crew as we usually do because it's impossible to drive through the city and get to where you need to be. But I still expect to have, you know, at least 30 boys representing and out singing the Liverpool fans because um, everybody knows it's another piece of trophy that we're going to ready to ready to get going. Ben? Yeah, yeah. So um, we are actually – uh, we've been in between pubs for a while in Baton Rouge. We actually uh, got kicked out of our previous pub for some intermanagement issues with them. They don't really, they don't really understand uh, football very much over here. It's difficult to get people to, to grasp it a little bit, especially in your Southern States. So I actually built a big shop at my house um, and I got about six guys coming over uh, Sunday and uh, turn on the 80 inch TV and we'll sing all by our damn selves. I'm fine with it. That's fine. I think that'll be 
good for you guys. And again, if there's sort of lastly sort of going in regards to Carefree Louisiana and even Chelsea groups around the area, if there's anybody out there that is interested in joining, how can they sort of get in touch with you guys and be part of sort of a, a great group and a great movement that seems to be growing pretty much every month. I know sort of Dylan, we spoke sort of a few weeks ago and the, again, the feedback that I received from our show and the feedback that you guys received from your blues day event. I mean, Christ, it's, as you say, it's growing and growing and growing. Anybody out there that is listening to this, that wants to be part of that movement, how can they guys? Um, easiest situation is go on uh, Instagram to Carefree Louisiana. From that page, you can have access to uh, links that will take you to our New Orleans chapter as well as our Baton Rouge chapter. Um, we're getting, we're slowly getting Shreveport more involved and more involved. But um, everybody knows that building a chapter takes time, and you have to have the manpower and people to get it going. So reach out on Instagram. Um, you can go straight to Ben on Zydeco Blues or myself at Crescent City Blues, and we will direct you to where a bar is, where you've got 20 friends waiting on you with that first pint on us. So if you are a Chelsea fan in Louisiana and you need a home and a place to watch um, the Chelsea, please reach out. We, uh, we're ready for you. Ben? Oh, okay. This was coming to me. All right. Yeah. Same thing, man. Same thing. You can also go to carefreelouisiana.com. Currently it's a, it's a blues day parking spot, but uh, we're soon to change that to give you all the information on all of our chapters. Um, um, uh, Crescent city blues, Sadika blues and port city, uh, port city is, is working on their presence right now that uh, they've actually got more members than Zydeco Blues. And Zydeco Blues, we were founded in 2013. We're the oldest group in Louisiana. And Port City's already doing better than us. They've really got something fantastic going there in Shreveport. So, um, so yeah, you can check out carefreelouisiana.com. It'll soon be updated, but you can still go there and recap the great events two weeks ago. Well, Ben, Dylan, it's been a pleasure to have you guys on, on the show again. I appreciate your time, obviously, with the time difference and everything. And, yeah, it's going to be great to see the boys play at Wembley again on Sunday. And hopefully, next time we obviously speak, we'll be talking about Chelsea League Cup winners of 2022. Absolutely. That's it, man. Prayers for Ukraine. Absolutely. Gentlemen. Thank you very much for your time. Enjoyed your company and hopefully see you down the road very, very soon. Keith, we appreciate Thanks it. so much, Keith. Podcast Network.